you know what? This Mr. Beast uh, burger, that's a summary. That's the takeaway from this. McDonald's, why the $300 tar million dollar company? Now we know. There, there you go. That's why so the $300 million company. It does need to slap. That's the way it comes back to that uh, lesson we shared a few, maybe a month ago by now, but it just has to, the product obviously matters, you know? And I think for it, for too yeah. long, we're starting to get used to like, I mean, I haven't even tried Prime and I'm sure it's not the worst, but I'm sure it's not the best either, but it's kind of sugary water with caffeine probably, right? So like, it doesn't need to be that good. But I think that that sort of branding first business can work. But when it's actually a burger, there's other options. You can go to McDonald's, you can go to Burger King, you can go to Wendy's. Sell software, so, dude. Sell a software as go. a service app. A, exactly. An AI-powered research app, okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you should be doing, Mr. Beast. There we go. Barely.ai forward slash AI, You can have it. It's yours, man. Beastly.ai. Beastly.ai. Uh, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NA gang back together. Jack Butcher, Trunk fan, Bilal Zaidi. Trunk fan, you weren't advisor today. What's going on here, mate? we got to start ripping you. Now, let's get back to basics here. What's, that's a dad <laughs> hat if I ever saw one. Well, I did some numbers, some uh, unofficial analysis that uh, when I don't wear headwear, I look like 100 times older. So I don't I'm getting gel. There. I'm getting there too. Don't yeah, I? I don't gel there, man. I don't gel well. But gel my hair. I'm looking fresh, but I don't gel. I just actually went for a run. So there, if you got, if, if we had our VR helmets on uh, with the smell portion, it would be musky in here. Here uh, we go. All right. <laughs> Did yeah, you, you just a quick question. Visor, Did you man? ever wear the visor upside down to the side oh, in the 2000s? Oh, yeah, dude. With the double polo? Oh, boy. Double Wait, Jack, polo action. Jack was definitely a double polo guy. Come on, dude. I've done double, double polo, polo, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. 100%. Of course you did, man. 100%. Wait, double polo. Wait, what were the brands, though? Was it like a... Abercrombie and Ralph. Bush, man. Oh, Ralph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it you, were, Ralph, you were flexing, though. it was a double cost. Actually, Rafa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rafa, our yeah. producer, uh, uh, our legendary producer. If you can find the photo of uh, Sam Altman, opening I CEO with double polo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, is that on yeah. Swagged Out yeah. Tech Bros Twitter? Yeah, bro, yeah. you know that, uh, you know the uh, the Jeff Bezos, uh, how it started, how it's going, like him and this little nerd with him super jacked. It's like, that's the version for Sam Altman, him with the double polo, and then now him like shaking hands with Macron. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy, there's been a lot of transformations. I have to say, uh, Zuck becoming this this absolute oh machine Just is absolute one I didn't beast. see. Killing it with a, a great point, actually. Let me let me do let me knob one more thing in here. Is uh, somebody put a good actually Rafa? I mean, Rafa's unstoppable, he's like a walking archive. <laughs> There's a tweet where it was about what tech CEOs look like portrayed by Hollywood in the early 2010s, and it was Jesse Eisenberg as Zuckerberg, like this little dork, and like the guy from Silicon Valley, the Richard, super dorky. And then the last two most prominent ones was Ed Norton in the Netflix film, like Jacked Rich, and then the guy from uh succession luke madsen good looking norwegian dude like six five i'm like damn they're like hollywood's coming around to it by the way did all three of us watch the end of succession yet yeah Jack, mm -hmm. did you watch it all right because we didn't oh, even yeah. we, we probably won't get to it today but oh my god finally i finally watched it i was like three weeks delayed but um all right anyway let's should we get straight to the ama today boys we got lots to cover um so let's just start started off with a few topical questions we're not going to do a full episode on topical stuff but we're going to start off with a few of these what do you guys think of mr beast burger shutting down we've talked about the mr beastification trung you you mentioned that i think last week in reference to lionel messi and now, i was waiting for the just, comments but 
Oh, we like NA. Let, let's walk through the history of NA. We started because of NFTs, and like we just ride each rave, create a rave, and like there's just there's just no foundation here. We have no conviction about it. <laughs> just like, so, so you're giving it away. Giving no, it away. Well, I, I would actually love Jack's opinion on this because uh, I'm not trying to say like Jack's the one that's pumping this, but Jack, this is like this is one of the attention in commerce. What do you think about Mr. Beastburger shutting down? Let me add the one note that I did see was he's shutting down because uh, he couldn't guarantee the quality of each burger because it was a ghost kitchen model, Un unlike his chocolate bar business, mm -hmm. which is he's controlling directly. So love your thoughts on that. You just gave my thoughts. He's got, oh, he's got the contrast okay. now of the like fixed variable D D2C business that he's selling through walmart or wherever else right versus the every single experience someone gets with the burger is different there's like any brand that is like basically the <clears throat> the thing you want the most control of is the consistency of the product and he didn't have that it just feels like that was like the first foray into and maybe it was a pandemic timing thing too right where that influenced it some to some extent where people weren't going anywhere. So his he was smart enough to do something that would be delivered to people's houses. And now that's changed around a little bit. So I think there's a couple things at play, but makes a ton more sense for him to sell, like manufacture by the million, distribute to these massive retailers and, and push it out that way. Yeah, so okay. our thesis yeah, isn't changed. You just got to pick. There's, I mean, like a freshly cooked burger maybe not be the best thing to use with your attention cannon, There's right? There's more variables there. Though, yeah, right? exactly right. Exactly. And they're like, I mean, if it's a glo even if it's a global brand, it's like, how do you even, like, there's no control over that, right? I, I think it's, that's like, uh, yeah, there's just where, there's a lot of slippage involved in a uh, endeavor it's, like that. The, cri <laughs> the crypto term slippage as well. <laughs> it's so funny. But no, I will say Wait. it also brings up Trungas. You might have a fun fact about this, but it kind of shows why McDonald's are really the goats, you know, like for franchise model, you know, keeping the quality control there, billions, billions served or whatever the number is. Like there's, it seems super easy just to grill a burger for one minute and put it on a bun, but there's a lot more to it than that. I was about to say, it ain't easy. It not only is it not easy, you're right. The winner, okay, let me confirm one thing. So I'm looking at the Mr. Beast tweet right now. So he tweeted on the 16th, what's today? The 20th. 20th. Okay, so that's four days ago. So the this is the most official thing I've seen. He said, somebody asked him, hey, is Mr. Beast burger done? And Mr. Beast replied, yeah, the problem with Beast Burger is I can't guarantee the quality of the order. When working with other restaurants, it's impossible to control it, sadly. And to be honest, I just enjoy Feastables 100 times more. Making snacks is awesome and something I'm way more passionate about. However, it looks like he deleted this tweet. I don't know the reason why he deleted PR it. PR team got on him yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like what, dogging? Like now, because what? He's just like, uh, he's just uh, sewered every other feature effort with a ghost kitchen. Is that, is that what do you think the PR team did? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm guessing they're done as the ghost kitchen model. They had 2000, uh, ghost kitchens in North America. I mean, they, you guys probably, he also I, opened, I thought in the mall of America, he opened one, right? a physical one too. Yeah. I thought he did, so, but I just think in general, though. was it, was it permanent? That's crazy. I'm not sure. was, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a permanent one, but I will say just compared to, like you said, a chocolate bar or whatever, it, 
it that's in a factory you can do the quality control in the factory before it gets out and also another thing to bear in mind is all of this stuff it's like got his name directly on it it's not like you know what logan paul and ksi have done with prime right like it, that would be the equivalent of logan paul drink which would be a really shit name for a drink <laughs> which but... every time you have a shit experience you're like fuck's sake <laughs> Yeah, you, instead Logan of that. Paul, what a prick! Can't even do this. Can't even do this energy drink, right? No, but you know what I mean. Like a Mr. Beast burger, that is directly impacting his back, his brand. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, you know what I realized when I was home, my nephew was talking about Mr. Beast. I can't remember if we talked about this, and I didn't realize, like my nephew, I think is five or six, six now. Is that the age group people are watching this stuff, man? I, I thought they were like eight Crazy. or twelve or something. We're in trouble. If we're in trouble, either way, we're in trouble. But by the way, yeah. burger is also the, the shittiest food to get delivered. Yeah, that's oh, true. Right. Yeah, You're it's right. not chicken ruby, is it? Because a chicken ruby yeah. you could put in the microwave. A burger in the microwave separate is rice. no go. Separate rice, separate curry. You got the you got the heating system benefiting the food instead of destroying the food. Yeah, in we, the case of a burger, your bread is your bread yeah, is just Mr. getting Beats. murdered. Mr. You Beast are... chicken ticker. Yeah. I think that's what we need, yeah. right? You are... yeah, can you imagine you actually... that? <laughs> you actually want to know what I love that you brought up this point? Because listen, this is people, this is why you come to NAN. You think we're just going to be the top news item? We're digging deep here. We're looking at the content yeah. commerce business model that we've been talking about for two years. But I love <laughs> that Jack brought up that why burgers are the worst thing. Because I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's called, I forgot what it's called, but it's really good. <laughs> Uh, Does but it start with an R, C, and end in B? Uh, no, 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 no. no, what it was, it's a, it's a pure food podcast, but they were talking to one of the DoorDash people, and like, you don't understand the mechanics of delivery. Like We, we had to talk to restaurants to make new containers for fries. Like You're mm. literally making new cardboard containers for french fries, exactly yeah. to Jack's point, because... Bro, if you get soggy fries, like fries are the hardest thing to deliver, right? The yeah. hardest you thing. You get soggy fries, that is a road in Bro, Mr. Beast's name. Let's be honest. Wendy's fries, two minutes after you leave the drive-thru, are done. They're done. If you don't finish the Wendy's fries within two minutes, they're absolutely done. So you're supposed to get delivery done. It's such a great point about uh, about the burger. So I think, uh, let me let me tie together what Jack kind of mentioned. Is like, And Bilal talked about what happened in the pandemic, right? Obviously, everybody's delivering. So the Mr. Beast is like, all right, I got this giant 100 million like audience can. <laughs> like, and, he's, and remember, he helped, was helping a lot of people out. He's helping a lot of mom and pop restaurants that had like uh, that had um, basically been closed because of COVID. He's like, listen, do you have kitchen space? But as we're kind of discussing, this is like literally not. Do you think of a, a, a from a standard standpoint, a worse thing to have done? I actually don't know if this was the worst one. Well, I mean, probably burritos. Like something I think it's like pretty that. insulting to your audience too. Like it's pretty, yeah. don't you think? It's like they're not using the same stuff. It's like okay. maybe it's the order of things in the in the burger. But like, I don't know, maybe just over time that realization is like you're really just arbing your name, like your brand equity against like a shitty burger. Let's be honest here. Yeah, it's not like, control. You yeah, cannot yeah, yeah, control yeah. it over 2,000 things where it's like the meat comes from this farm and it's cooked this way on this equipment. and th like, yeah. It's not in and out you know. or Shake Shack level it's, or even McDonald's. It's, and it, I think it shows the respect that's needed on those sort of brand, like those franchises because right. it, it does take a lot to keep something. I remember learning at like GCSE business or something like the 
all the stuff that McDonald's has to keep it the same across the world and they come and check insane did this come in two minutes or whatever it is obviously they don't they don't always do it and then the way they actually do the localization of in certain countries as well which is quite interesting like in Saudi Arabia or in India they wouldn't have beef they would have another sort of thing or whatever but it it does show like the the other thing I'd say is margin wise I don't know for sure on this but just thinking out loud like the margins on restaurants and fast food is just is less than five percent I'm pretty sure like mm -hmm. if you've got a good mm -hmm. working restaurant which I know is not the same as fast food it's like a four percent margin or something from the p people I've spoken to and that is right. like no room for messing up and I'm sure and I think they did custom packaging and shit like that so they probably were making nothing so it's just nothing. like you're spending money to kill your brand yeah, exactly. And they were probably just doing it to hit a certain revenue number so they can sell it in the future or whatever. But then there was also, but if you look at like sweets, yeah, or like candy or whatever they they call it for Mr. What are they called again? Mr. Beast bars Snack or what? Feastables. Or feastables, is right. it feastable? And also if it's not called Mr. Beast Feastables, or are they called? It's they just Feastables. It? It's just Feastables. Oh, that's actually the, back to our point earlier, right? Like it's it's separated from Fart his boys. name. Yeah. Oh, here we go. It's not that separated. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we will know when he's about to sell it when he's not putting his face on it. Yeah, yeah yo, so Jack, good. You know, it looks like yo, a YouTube thumbnail. Yo, as well. we just got. Yo, I think. Uh, yeah, I think uh, his brand management has separated uh, Mr. Beast the person from the wrong. <laughs> it looks like Brilliant. it looks like literally the thumbnail. What's gonna win? A one dollar burger? A one dollar yeah. chocolate bar? A million dollar chocolate it's bar? So funny. Yeah. But uh, let me. Uh, let me crush a little bit of McDonald's because uh, Bilal brought it up, and I I want to hammer home this point. And we're probably going to talk about this in a, a teaser next episode. We're going to talk a little about traveling, but uh, right now we'll just we'll just tee this up. When you go to any McDonald's, you anywhere in the world, if you're traveling and you're you're feeling a little bit down, just go find some golden arches, right? You sit in there, got the yellow glow, Let the, the yellow that glow. Come out. You're gonna feel right. Seats run there at 2 p.m. Stone cold yeah, bro, sober. Yeah. Stone the second cold meal sober. of the day. <laughs> You're gonna feel like after your 11 You're years old, for you just finished a soccer tournament. It's 11 o'clock. The dad's in the minivan. He's taking all the kids out to McDonald's. What that? What happy meal each? Okay. What happy meal each? Who wants the apples? Who wants the fries? All right. So you go there. Yeah. You get the four nuggets. You get the cheeseburgers. No pickles. I don't want pickles in my cheeseburger, okay? Get those pickles out of the kids. There is that nostalgic feeling with McDonald's. Though, is it? Like, oh, my goodness, I only dude. eat fillet of fish from there because when I was a kid, that was the only halal thing there. Yeah. Bro, and it's Tartar the sauce, same smashing it. every single time. Incredible. This is just, you know what? This Mr. Beast uh, burger, that's the summary. That's the takeaway from this. McDonald's, why is a $300 sauce. million dollar company? Now we know. There, there you go. That's why so the it does million need million a slap. That's the way it comes back to... That uh, lesson we shared a few, maybe a month ago by now, but it just has to, the product obviously matters, you know? And I think for it, for too yeah. long, we're starting to get used to like, I mean, I haven't even tried Prime and I'm sure it's not the worst, but I'm sure it's not the best either, but it's kind of sugary water with caffeine probably, right? So like, it doesn't need to be that good. But I think that that sort of branding first business can work. 
But when it's actually a burger, there's other options. You can go to McDonald's. You can go to Burger King. You can go to Wendy's. Sell software, so, dude. Sell a software as go. a service app. A, exactly. An AI-powered research app, okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what you should be doing, Mr. Beast. There we go. Barely.ai forward slash AI, You can have it. It's yours, man. Beastly.ai. Yeah, beastly.ai. Last thing I'll add about Mr. Beast is because he tweeted, this is his last tweets from yesterday. I love you guys' thoughts on this. It's not directly related to Mr. Beast Burger, but it's a very interesting, interesting tweet. So this has 25 million views. He goes, sometimes I regret going on podcasts and sharing everything I know about YouTube. I thought people would use the knowledge to innovate and be inspired, but tons just copy exactly what I do and don't change anything. Kind of sad how many Mr. Beast clones there are. And yeah, then he goes that. in a follow-up tweet. Despite that, I'm still going to share everything I know publicly because life would be boring if I kept it all in my hands. Anyways. Thoughts? What do you guys yeah. think about that? Working in I mean, public how much is downsides. He, how much is he sharing? How much is he really sh- like? I will say the, he, I saw one episode. the videos out, you're going to get copied. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, by, yeah, yeah. Like the the fact that you're the best in the world at whatever this genre could be called is like whether you're going on podcasts to tell people how to do it or not. Like people emulate. I think is actually people over overestimate what is copied from your advice versus what mm. is copied from the product you put out into the world. Oh, that's you know, a good that, point. In my mind, is like, yeah, you've posted thousands and thousands of hours of a, a very specific style of video and people just reverse engineering it and doing the same thing. That's Change a, a couple a good, variables. It's like a hundred times more people have watched this video or a thousand times have actually watched the videos and tried to emulate versus listen to a three-hour pod on Rogan breaking it down. Do you know what I mean? I think most and of this I think stuff is just... Yeah, some of his stuff is like like the advice he gives is like make a hundred videos. Like I think I feel like his advice is way more about like be incredibly persistent, go over and over and over and over again. And then I don't know, man. Everybody I think gets to that place where when you're doing something that you feel as though you pioneered, and then there's a bunch of people copying it, and it's well, you know, everything is a combination of. Well, let's ask somebody Previous Somebody in this room, somebody in this very podcast who pioneered a visual model that literally every single person on the internet has copied. And not only has copied, you told them to go copy you. So how do you, tell us how that squares with, yeah, but dude, you, That's you a good this point. went down your alleyway. How do you feel? I used to get upset about it. And then as soon as I like realized that was like, that was the product that you were creating, the thing you're putting out into the world. Like it's the biggest compliment ever that people want to emulate it or people will want to, uh, there's a, a, not, this is a very grandiose comparison. So excuse the, uh, the Wright brothers when they were trying to get a plane off the ground or like, oh, these guys Elon are copying Musk us. They're trying, trying to build to a plane. To space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. but it's a good example litigating they're like you know stop building the plane let's go and sue these guys that are trying to build a plane let's go sue those guys that are trying to build a plane and it's just the most memorable example where it's like guys you just should have carried on doing what you're doing build the thing if you have a good idea inevitably people are going to cop that's like basically how we evolve as a species right and i think when there's obviously i don't know brands and money involved and things of that nature people get a little bit more uh, upset about that but it did it did annoy me to begin with and i was like this is just a behavior that seems to be a natural function of whatever i'm doing so how can i like benefit from that behavior rather than like try and play whack-a-mole with this thing because that's not going to work either and then 
the more energy I put into trying to shut down that stuff, the less energy I'm putting into the thing that you're doing that is worth copying in the first place. So it's a very, and I can't think of a great example of somebody who switched mentalities and just, you can't allocate your resources to both things at the same time, right? You have to, if your goal is to make something that people want to use, the byproduct of that is other people are going to want to copy your journey to some degree, get inspired by it. It's, it's all just, uh, you know, I think there are obviously 3% rule. We could get into that too. Like there are ways in which to take inspiration from something and build on top of it, advance the thing versus just a straight copy. But Jack, yeah, I'm I... surprised to hear him to say that, to be honest. It's like, yeah. seems crazy to someone that has that understanding of the internet. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen when you're the best. Yeah, right. I was going to ask, but specifically with your stuff, and for people who haven't followed your stuff, which is probably like three people listening to this, but just the, the uh, visualized value style, black background, white, you know, diagrams and illustrations or whatever, <clears throat> you would literally see people copy and paste that exact style, didn't even change the colors, right? And like, and a lot yeah. of them have actually grown a decent following. What Did it really only hurt? hurt in air quotes or annoy you in the beginning when they would actually get crazy reach and you're like well i didn't even get that reach with my one and they put it in a 10 part thread and somehow hack this sort of thing it yeah it used to annoy me but then like after a certain amount of time pe like the internet polices it for you too it's like people you start got that commenting here right? yeah yeah you got that from here and like in that case most of those people were just aggregating information in any way so I don't know the the reach that they got. I don't know. In my mind, it isn't like a one for one comparison. Like they didn't take it from you. It's just a. It just started a lot further out from the nucleus of the thing, and maybe it eventually gets its way back. And that's this is like the really philosophical, heady justification for digital provenance, NFTs, all this stuff. Who did it first? And if you're able to like have a immutable record of that image then you know the growth of it over time and the the reach of it over time eventually can be attributed back to its original but you know the, i think these things take a lot longer to play out than we think so yeah. uh man like just just i think the basic model for it is like you can only ever really expect to capture a fraction of the value you create if you're doing it on an open network like a Twitter or building a website or using any of these social networks and the, the what's the Dawkins book that explains memes? You remember the name of that book? The Selfish Gene. The Selfish Gene. So the idea that memes, images, you know, even video formats, whatever else, will replicate like genes do in that the ones that have the most impact influence most people and propagate in the same way that you know that happens biologically too so it's like trying to trying to fight nature don't fight the fed as we say on the pod <laughs> yeah. let, let me uh let me add a quick thing to what jack said about the replication of ideas this one this one's probably a little bit uh too deep of a rabbit hole could literally just be its own episode but you guys you guys uh, ever read any cormac mccarthy's book the uh the the famous author died last week he did a, he wrote uh, the book that became No Country for Old Men. I don't know if you guys seen that movie. Uh, oh, wow. Classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, super dark. Uh, and anyways, he's one of the, he's considered one of the greatest novels of his past century, but he wrote 
he wrote one nonfiction uh, uh, piece of uh, a work for Nautilus. And he basically, he brought something up that I never realized before. I love you guys' thoughts on this. It's pretty, it's a pretty mind-blowing idea. He's like, humans have been around, whatever. Some form of humans have been around hundreds of thousands up to millions of years, or maybe million plus years, right? Language itself is much younger. And he's just like, language is such a, to your point about memes and things that just spread, language itself is literally like a virus. Like, humans survive, and he's just like, language is not necessary for survival on planet Earth. There are 5,000 other species or 10,000 other species that don't have language and they're surviving, right? They're propagating. Language itself is truly like this crazy virus that didn't exist. And the reason he brought it up was uh, he juxtaposed it against, this is why you should actually listen to your unconscious more. Your unconscious has been there since the very beginning. This thing that you can't really explain, the gut feeling, the, the, um, the instincts, that's literally been evolutionarily from the beginning. The language is so powerful that it kind of came out of nowhere, swept around the entire globe uh, in terms of humans. And this is when people say, it's like, just trust, trust your instincts. I think th that sealed it for me. That's like, that I know what I'm saying now. It's like, there's been something there that's evolutionary, been there since the beginning. Uh, language is much younger. And when you try to talk your uh, way through things and always try to explain the way you feel, it actually isn't sufficient because there's something that's been there way before that. So I don't know, that, that kind of blew my what mind. What if but... your subconscious telling you to buy a shit coin? That's the problem I have, you know? I think that's another type well, of uh, there it is, right? psychological that's the evolutionary, problem. Yeah, you're, so you're, that's why you're, you're rationalizing, you're using your language to beat it down, right? That's the FOMO gene. Yeah, yeah. no, beautiful. I love this discussion. I will move us on though, boys, just because we've uh, done 25, 30 minutes. So we've, we're on question one. So... This is perfect. Just for people, so you know, we're probably going to do a two-part AMA here because there's quite a lot of good questions. So we'll do this this part and, we're traveling. and then That's next the week and we're traveling, we'll get some good travel discussion going on too. But that, that was great. Thanks for sharing that, boys. Let's move on to the next one. Roll of Twitter. This is from Elena or Alina. I'm not sure how to say your name, but I think Elena. Uh, predictions for the role of Twitter in society in 10 years. And part two to this from Chris McCoy. He said, is Twitter now just Fox News 2.0? Controversial take. Uh, maybe we take, um, I've grouped them together, but what, what do you guys think? Yeah, first part predictions first? for Twitter in 10 years. Why don't we, why don't we deal with the, uh, the Fox, Fox one, one first? Yeah, that's okay. an easy answer. I've Go seen, uh, I'll answer that. Chris, well, first of all, shout out to Chris. Uh, a couple, uh, I think a bit, OG a bit of a month ago. Listener. Yeah, OG NA listener. We're always chatting with him. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, and also help one of my buddies out for a situation he had. So double thank you, Chris. Um, that's a great question. I've seen that pitch. Uh, I, no, I've seen that framing. And a lot of people trying to frame it like that uh, uh, because obviously Tucker Carlson is doing his show exclusively on uh, Twitter right now. I think some of that's contractual. So Tucker Carlson, uh, for the people that don't know, was a, a lead anchor, or not lead anchor, probably the most popular host on Fox over the past decade. It was like Bill O'Reilly, who was, uh, who was pushed out uh, for sexual harassment lawsuit, and then Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson had to leave because of a, a settlement that a Fox uh, did with Dominion voting. They made the machines during the 2020 elections and the machines in general. And it, it turns out in the legal process that basically everyone at Fox was like, okay, this whole uh, line of narrative that the election was stolen and the machines were broken is like, we kind of know this is BS. And we're throwing this company Dominion under the bus. Uh, we're doing it willingly, destroying that company. Uh, but you know, whatever. It's our narrative because our our listener base is 65 and older, leans conservative. We're just going to give them what they want. So they had to pay like eight, almost 800 million out of pocket uh, as accountability. Tucker 
it's not clear what happened, but he literally said straight up during uh, the discovery process that he didn't believe the election was stolen. He said he hated Donald Trump. But in front of the audience, he was giving the Fox viewers what they wanted, right? So it was like such a clear split between his personal beliefs and his public beliefs. The other thing is uh, obviously a lot of more conservative voices have come back. I don't even say come back. I think a lot of this is uh, 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 kind of anecdotal. Um, but people are more certainly more free to say what they want without necessarily just getting banned on the conservative side because as you remember the Hunter Biden laptop being the most apex example of a liberal bias in Twitter's uh, moderation uh, uh, system. So to answer the question directly, is it becoming Fox News? I think this is my answer. It's a two-part answer. My first part is this. I think especially amongst us, how we're viewing uh, the tech Twitter crowd, it definitely does seem that way because obviously Elon is controls the conversation in the tech Twitter crowd uh, and, 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 and the media crowd in general, maybe less so in politics. Although having brought on Ron DeSantis in Twitter spaces and uh, RFK Jr., uh, the Republican and then Democrat uh, uh, presidential candidates, uh, uh, they, that, that seems like he is getting obviously more into that. But the other part I want to say is this, and this is this is from something that a Japanese buddy of mine always tells me. Twitter is huge in Japan. It's massive, right? And my buddy sends me crazy Japanese content once a week. He's like, check out this other world of Twitter that you have no idea about. And then he, he told me that. And then I got messages over the past year from a lot of people basically saying, Chong, you're in such a bubble. You don't understand. There's like a whole other world of Twitter. Like the whatever. 250, 300 million daily active users, the majority of people do not care about anything that's being described right now, right? Like my Japanese buddy, he has no idea who Ron DeSantis is. He has no idea who RFK Jr. is, right? He has no idea about all these like woke culture wars that are going on. He doesn't care. So is Twitter becoming like the new Fox? I think with a subsection of the its user base, it is in the sense of that's where people are going out. Tucker's there, and there's more willing voices to be allowed there. Daily Wire, for example, is putting all their content on Twitter because a lot of their content is getting taken off of YouTube. So there's certainly that perception. Uh, but unlike Fox News, that's all Fox News is programming, right? Like that That's Fox News' entire 24-hour uh, programming is conservative stuff. Whereas I think there's a, I think within our pocket, yes, it, it does appear more conservative, but I think in Twitter in general, I would say no. Yeah, great answer. I'll just give a, a very quick answer as well. I agree, no, essentially. And the reason is because Twitter, like all social media, is kind of what you make it uh, and not in like a inspirational way, in like a literally click the favor and retweet button and you're going to see more of that shit. So if not you- Not even that, want... right? If you, if, you, if you hover over a video for X exactly. amount of time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the signal is showing you what you want. So if you like- Fox News stuff or conservative stuff or conspiracy theories, you're going to see more of that. Um, and I, sorry, I didn't mean to literally group all three of those together, but that was my subconscious bias. Yeah. Um, well, because we were just talking about RFK Jr. as well. That was another talking point this week. Um, so, yeah, so th that's kind of my short answer is if you are into football like I am, I have a completely different account. I'll look at football stuff on because I don't want to mess up the algorithm. I strictly see football stuff, right? So it is just basically what you want it to be. Um, yeah, Jack, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that one. No, that was a good, that was a good summary, boys. I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, I think you covered both of the angles I was going to say. I think America is uniquely 
mental as well. I'll just end it on that one. <laughs> well, in that in that way, uh, case we should answer the first part of the question from Elena, which is predictions for the role of Twitter in society in ten years. Ten years is a long time. So let's say that's we're in twenty twenty three. So twenty thirty three. That's a long time from now. Will we all be? The vision is for it to not even be called Twitter by then, or is it? You think X or something, right? The what's it called? X app? Well, that sounds like uh, something else. The X app, yeah. The, the, uh, it does sound like something else, and I know sounds you're. Sounds like you're what Twitter to... was also known for <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Reddit. Uh, let me With let me add Apple one goggles point. on by that point. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. All right. There's a lot of there's a lot of undertones going on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ten years. This is what I'll, I, uh, this is a more um, macro kind of commentary, not specific to Twitter, um, um, but I think it will help uh, uh, help answer Elena's question. I do think, and we've talked about this. Um, you know, there is just movements to. It's a life cycle of kind of social networks, right? Okay, let's actually use Facebook as an example. Starts off in universities. Uh, Ivy League universities, then goes out to all the other universities in the country, then it goes global, and then kind of ages up. And now, honest, literally, I haven't used Facebook in eight years. I have not used Facebook in eight years, but I know they have 2.5 billion plus users, right? So someone's using it. Um, and But a lot of those, the usage of Twitter, I mean, of Facebook has gone to Messenger and the groups. And I think, honestly, that's kind of the nature of social media. I think uh, uh, the way that communications are happening, I mean, how many group chats are you guys in? I mean, how much time is Jacksman on Discord, right? Like people talked about this. It's like the movement away from just like this this model of one-to-all broadcasting where like I broadcast to hundreds of thousands of, of people. Jack does the same. And like that model is actually humans really work. We're talking about humans and evolutionary stuff. Broadcasting to hundreds of thousands of people, your thoughts and expecting like everyone to be on the same page is just not how we were designed as a species. And so that's why you're seeing all these like messaging Stop apps groups. like pop up. Yeah, all these different groups pop up. So I think the answer is, I don't, nothing, I honestly I don't think anything will displace Twitter. I think we talked about this. Uh, actually, let me throw this out to you guys. Did, I think I said this exact thing. I love your thoughts on it now. If somebody were to launch from scratch a Twitter competitor today, from scratch, like a true competitor. I know there are a couple, there's Blue Sky, which is trying to do the open source uh, or sorry, decentralized Mastodon, but like, and then notes with Substack, but like from scratch, all you're doing is text. You're trying to recreate it. Would that be fundable? The answer is no. It's completely unfundable business because the, the text only, like the way it was, like 15 years ago, like the skill you'd have to do to get to 250 million users, the the acquisition only on text, and to be real time, and to get those types of people. Well, that's my feelings. Blah. Well, I think that, you have it's, a good, this. it's a good question. I would say, well, one, I would say Twitter nowadays is obviously moving to beyond way more than text. Obviously, the images and videos are there and they seem to be doubling down on video. We saw that in the last week. There was a, a discussion around that. Elon has talked about vertical video being more of a priority. So, so but I know that wasn't a question. To come back to your question, I think the only one which will be interesting to see scale-wise is Facebook uh, I forgot what they're calling it, but their launch of a Twitter clone. Right. But again, that's not from scratch, right? Like we're talking yeah, okay. from, from scratch. scratch yeah. You're right. No, I think from scratch is very difficult. Um, there has to be a value proposition beyond what Twitter is. And there's already, Twitter's been around for so long and so many people still don't use it, right? Like 
Now yeah. people that use Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, not that know about Twitter and don't use it, or they tried it seven years ago. Even like a lot of us, we probably used it in 2010 or whenever it was early on. Like I can speak for myself and lots of people I know since since uh, 2020. They came back, like even Trung, I know you started just posting really late again and then got got into it. And it felt like a different Twitter during 2020, 2021. So especially in like tech world. So I, I agree. I don't think it would be uh, that easy for someone to go from scratch, but there has to be a real value proposition that is different. And the only one that seemed theoretical was the, you know, in the hype of the decentralized narratives going around 2020 2021 i forgot what it's called bit cloud or whatever well oh, yeah yeah. yeah all those ones what? that we we talked about on the first few episodes they, they never hit that scale obviously but something not where even, you feel like close, it's the same right? yeah if it was the same scale and it worked as well but also you were getting paid to use it let's say but that again is something twitter can turn on which they are going to be turning on for creators and stuff so i i agree with your point i don't think let me someone let me do let, let me put a thumb on why i brought that up the reason i brought that up to answer elena was i think as a real-time breaking source it still is it's the, the best yeah. that elon has it's like it's a central nervous system i don't think anything will ever be able to just have it's just so hard it's a network effect that people keep talking about right it's like to get the politicians the um the media people, just regular users. Well, blah, here's the thing. Your sports uh, example, I think that's the best example. Your a football sport you want to go feed, talk about right now, yeah. Feed, right? Is there anything even remotely close to the real? No, like, nothing. It's not, right? Yeah. Now, and yeah. I think people similar to the Mr. Beast Burger, I think people underestimate what it takes to create something at that speed and that amount yeah. of data going through it. I mean, obviously, like like you said, not starting from scratch, Facebook, someone else could do that. Uh, and that, interestingly, we'll get my Google shilling once a week here. The idea you talked about, these subgroups, do you remember Google Plus, the flop of Google yes. Plus, right? The, yes. the, but the central idea of Google Plus, I remember speaking to the guy, uh, Irish guy, went to Intercom, I forgot his name now, really smart guy. He was basically the head of research for this uh, product side of things for Google Plus. And I remember speaking to him one-on-one and he basically said exactly what he said. Humans were not designed to spread out, you know, the same message to the thousand people. That's a problem with Facebook, problem with Twitter. And their central thesis was we're going to create circles. So I can have my football team stuff in one circle and I can have the tech guys in one circle and high school friends in another. The problem with it was, I think the idea was actually quite sound. The implementation of it was not good enough to actually, you know, beat that. Uh, friction. They don't have the social the DNA, right? They, yeah, just they don't have, have social, social DNA. DNA. The idea made sense, but they they needed an existing audience to do that with. I think they should have done it with YouTube, like or something like that, because they already had like close to a billion people, or whatever, using it. So that that idea is actually what we've now seen with you know Instagram doesn't have it fully, but they have the close friends thing. If you if you see people post that in um, on stories and stuff, sometimes Twitter you can create a list, but no one's really doing it still. I mean the closest to, to it is just we've all got a new algorithm. It's it's more of a uh algorithm based on interest versus the social graph. Like it used to be social graph who you know, who you follow, and now it's interest graph. So I think that is where we've moved to instead of asking a human to categorize the people, it just does it itself and it does it automatically and better than before. So that was the kind of change that we didn't really know Thanks was coming. Thanks for the Google knowledge drop, man. Damn, dude, you're there right. Go. Google Plus was Google Plus was ahead of its time, dude. Yeah, Emerald Sea. I don't know if I'm like that was the internal thing. I remember like finding these internal documents and like 
they, I think someone didn't change the permissions and I was Rafa, like reading through it. You might have there to bleep we go. that <laughs> entire segment, dude. Like, I know Google is litigious. But yeah, we they'll don't be want uh, the... knocking NIA down the door. NIA does not have the financial resources <laughs> to budget yeah, this uh, legal uh, battle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think that was... Uh... Yeah, Jack, anything else to add on Elena's question around where yeah, the ten Twitter years. will be 10 years from now? Role of I Twitter. I think the ambition is, is, is WeChat level... Uh, um, like... I think the financial component of Twitter, I mean, not even in 10 years, in probably two or three years will be a, uh, from what I you understand like that is a payments massive and stuff goal. Like that, you mean? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and being able to purchase things on Twitter. And I think you like the central nervous system is my favorite metaphor for what Twitter is. L1 of communication, as we've talked, the fountain of memes. We said a lot of different analogies oh, for Twitter on here. Incredible. Everything else is like, you know, layers and layers out from, from Twitter. That's where that's where it happens. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well put. So yeah, I guess the summary is we still think it'll be very important. I don't we don't think anyone is really taking this place uh for what it is. And I think another thing we've talked about on the show before is we think it's underappreciated in a way for how much impact it has with early adopter groups and like stuff that a lot of, especially in tech obviously a lot of stuff goes there and then you'll see six 12 months later filtering like even just like entrepreneurship category of business right like doing these podcasts business podcasts you'll see stuff that's a thread that is literally posted six months later on instagram or like one of trung's threads like you see it on those AI generated TikToks like a month later because there's a computer doing it. And then you'll see six months later, entrepreneurship <laughs> quote tweets or on Instagram has got like a carousel of your thread or something. What's crazy is that Twitter's not even, uh, Twitter's not even uh, top, top of funnel, right? Like these Discord chats are, are related like the- 4chan. Like Reddit's, for, honestly, 4chan. Um, mm. Well, the last thing I'll add to this is I recently chat with somebody, a good friend, does not super online at all. Never used ChatGPT. Chat Never used it once. And I think just answers your question. It's like the the dispersion of technology. And I think the larger takeaway is we're in such bubbles. Like we, we the three of us are in such very specific, a very specific bubble, right? Of, uh, of tech and very online tech. Um, but yeah, great questions. Question. All right, let's move and on. The, uh, oh, go on, go on. Sorry, go for Jack. Sorry, I was just going to say the trend of like, the Tucker Carlson thing is an amazing example of like the true reach of a, a platform like that is is like unfathomable, and the transparency of what is being consumed is very different. Yeah, it's just I mean I I can't even really unpack it more than that. It's just like it's hard to imagine that other media entities don't follow that, and why wouldn't you? It just it seems crazy like the captive attention and the free distribution and the network effects of interacting with yeah people who like this is a weird example you see the bill ackman tweet today about public health experts like previously i would imagine a statement like that would have been like one segment on cnbc two minutes in the morning and whoever like that's playing on mute in like a couple office yeah. buildings Versus this thing that gets circulated, shared privately, saved, bookmarked, responded to, turns into this like uh, piece of a longer conversation that's all threaded together. Just like fundamentally, I think that's another thing that is uh, 
some of these other networks don't have. This is like a fundamental piece of Twitter infrastructure that I think is overlooked is like the ability to thread pieces together where like I can link a tweet in, uh, you know, and a preview a tweet in response to another tweet. I can link my own tweets together. I can kind of create this architecture of information versus like a YouTube or a Facebook where that isn't as much a part of the, the architecture design of the right? platform. Yeah, like you have a post and you can navigate to a post URL, but you can't like, it doesn't feel as um, interconnected. Like there's something about the design of Twitter from an information architecture perspective that it's insane, is dude. superior and helps you link ideas to get like Trung, you do an amazing job of this. It's like, hey, I read this, I wrote this, this article about this thing. Here's this tangential thing that might be interesting. Go to that. Here's this other thing that might be interesting. And throughout the story, you can kind of put all these different links out to other threads that stay in the platform but uh yeah. you know have relationships to one another and i think that's an underrated uh piece of why the central nervous system metaphor is so compelling too i'll, yeah. I'll tell you doubly why that's uh very interesting what jack says like we know this guys we've all been in places where you got to convert that friction of going off platform it's enough to kill that flow that jack's kind of describing right but if it's all in platform, the friction's gone. People can won't churn through the story. And uh, uh, Jack brought something up that I, I did want to opine on uh, to answer Lubaina's question. Also, I think I think Twitter actually has a chance to give YouTube a little bit of run on the video side, and I think it, it has a huge opportunity in podcasts. But podcasting is obviously much smaller yeah. than uh, than video. But uh. You got, got it is, a lot for, of it is for a number of views and stuff, but the time spent is so high that they, it's worth doing both yeah. for them. And true, I have a true. request, Trung, because I know you speak to uh, the the uh, Twitter crew. Uh, you have spoken to them in the past. And if anyone listening from Twitter, I have a few friends actually listening to this from Twitter, just pass on the message. An easiest win is just give that background playability because now you've got someone like, you know, these it's guys- coming. It's coming, okay, because yeah. that is a huge <laughs> win. I don't know if that's going to be a premium feature or, or free, but if they go free, it is something that YouTube is not doing, which they should be. Oh, right. you're right. That No, that's in the YouTube premium. No, yeah, it's in the, YouTube the, premium. The thing is, like, it was worth... Dude, I pay 20 bucks a month Me just too. for that feature. Me too. And if, if Twitter... I can understand if Twitter adds it as a premium feature, which is fair enough, but if they made it a free feature, their numbers will... Yeah, they, the acquisition like, would be crazy. Yeah, be crazy. They, they and too. like you can put Tucker's thing straight up, um, you know, or, you know, we've we've tried with our pods a few times, like three, four times we've we've put up our videos and you get, we'll get a decent amount of people You know, people no, it's listening. good awareness, right? It's just like, it's oh, good this guy has yeah. a podcast. Like, you're, here's the reality. Nobody's watching 80 minutes on that's Twitter, the thing, right? right? You can now, watch. Go on, Jack. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, you can watch 100 hours of bum fights on loop in the top <laughs> yeah, corner. Exactly. While but, you scroll. Exactly. No, but the truth is if they made that background playability, the same way you can do it for Twitter spaces, right? So Twitter spaces, they already have that ability, which That's makes true. sense. It's audio first thing. I think a lot of people who don't, who aren't as close to podcasting don't realize how important that is for getting people to use yeah, something yeah, to yeah. listen to an hour long thing. 98% of people need the background play because you're not just sitting there for an hour for most people. So if you just allow that That's a great activity- point you're going to just have on people spaces saying, specifically. Yeah. On spaces, they already, I think they already allow on spaces, but for these videos, 
Like, they I do, saw, but that's um, what I'm saying. That's why it killed. That's why it killed like a clubhouse because you have this like you're never bored. Exactly, you just have it on passively, <laughs> and so if you've got a uh, Tucker show, never bored. Yeah, but go School on, fight. School, School fights fight on loop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I would just say if they can add that, and there's a way to, uh, th that is one. And you know, if, if there was a dedicated feed for those long form things, would also be great. But that's maybe a, a different discussion. Uh, I just think it incentivizes, and I'll just give some background as well. I've been talking to some people around, like from the media side, and asking them, you know, when you sell podcast ads, let's say for Creator Lab, I normally have to say, this is number of people listen, you know, I'm going to charge you X amount per thousand listens or whatever. Now, previously, you couldn't really, you could do that for YouTube, but you're not doing that for Twitter. But if there was actually legitimate background play, numbers would go up significantly, and that's another commercial opportunity and if people are, and I, what i'm saying is i've heard from people they're willing to even experiment with that so from twitter side that is money in the bag that they're not getting right now business that is, there we go business back in the game here we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, i was like listen this is free are you right though it's, it's a true mba Bilal. yeah there we go mba Bilal. yeah well i will say we, we're gonna uh, move on to a couple other questions and then we'll do our part two because we're already just doing we've already almost hit our 45 minutes an hour. Chef oh, did ask. Google. We're good, man. We're good. Chef asked, where does brother be by his Google suits? That we'll throw that one in there. That's our boy, Chef, who's incredible. Congrats to your West Ham win, mate. But uh, yeah, we, we're <laughs> not be tell Yeah, we, we, it just depends on the day. It's either a little Savile yeah. Row thing or it's a little Zara. You know, if you're if you're not sure you're going to keep it, you just got to throw it out. It's, you know what I mean? It's a little Savile Row thing. A little Savile <laughs> Row thing. What? Anyway, wait, wait. Go Hold on. on, you were just at our friend uh, Mario Gabriel's uh, wedding. Is yeah, I, I took two suits for that. They're actually right I behind me. I saw real fresh tux. Clean, Rafa, clean tux. You might have to throw. I'll go send him. I'll send. I'll, I'll send it what to Rafa to. Uh, what was that about? Well, the the other wedding I'm going to, I'm a groomsman, and we all need to wear tux. So uh, I just thought, well, let me go that? brown what, bond you, style. How, how many you know grand know? was that? No, no, that was it. Was about a grand, to be fair. It was about a grand. I think it was. About, this guy's yeah. like, oh, Tom, what do I look like? Yeah, it's about a G. About a G, yeah. It wasn't. I was looking at some more expensive ones. But I was like, how am I? I can't really justify this. You know what I mean? It's kind of an unnecessary purchase you can already. And you will. Yeah, that's true. Maybe on a, my own wedding, maybe I'll go go hammer. Wait, Jack, did you wear a tux on your wedding? I feel like I saw. No suit, suit. Trunk, what about you? Tux or? Uh, beach wedding. Beach so, uh, wedding, okay. Suspenders, bow tie. Ooh, oh, no, bow tie. No, yeah, I think I've seen no a picture. No suit actually. jacket. No suit jacket. Oh, brother. yeah, it was it too was like hot 35. in that piece. Yeah, yeah. Was it like a like a flower show or what? What was the the vibe for it? Uh, <laughs> no, the the uh, no the, the bow tie was was very floral. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll move on uh, to the last question for this part. I think. Um, our boy Zaid Edmani asked about the Twitch drama. Also, go check out Zaid's videos on tiktok he's an absolute oh, killer on animal. there yeah animal on there one of my favorite tiktok accounts to follow uh thoughts on the twitch drama does twitch have too uh too big of a network effect to fail or will youtube or tiktok take a big chunk of live streamers is kick a real competitor how are they able to handle nba contracts to streamers honestly i didn't know half of that to be honest so do either of you know what the controversy yeah, is with I, twitch I recently i can give a little uh, i can give yeah. a little uh, this is a great uh uh question by the way i know zade sorry real quickly zade's been doing some lives on tiktok so i'm curious if he's also been doing twitch lives at the same time and he's he's curious but 
I know he does a so bit I of live as well. So I actually want to say something about the power of live streaming, right? And blah, I actually love your thoughts on this. Because you just mentioned, uh, like five minutes ago, I talked about, hey, podcast, much smaller opportunity than uh, video. But blah, I was like, but wait a second. Those listeners, those fans are super valuable because how long they're on platform, right? That plus is yeah. The top live streamers will get someone to watch them for incredible. six to eight hours. It's You're incredible. talking about depth, dude. Like the top live streamer. Have you guys you know, seen Speed? The guy, the uh, young, young black guy who's absolutely insane. He's got the most incredible. He's the one who's been trying to meet Ronaldo, like the footballer, for the last like a year, and he just met him last week. So it was, oh my but god, he's he's Is got he seventeen. Streamer? Yeah, he's got seventeen million subscribers. He's one of the biggest live on Twitch. I think on Twitch, but it, um, I have a Twitch or YouTube, but I think it's Twitch. He's he's so entertaining, crazy. Well, here let me. Uh, so my first part about the live, the economics of live streaming is it's super lucrative for the top people, right? That's why, so uh, uh, Zaid had referred to a previous deal. So the deal he referred to just now happened, uh, I think earlier this week or last week, a, a website, a live streaming website called Kick. They brought on a streamer named XQC and they gave him a, a deal incentives worth up to 100 million. This isn't the first time it's happened. Uh, Ninja, you guys remember Ninja, the Fortnite player? He was brought uh, a fat contract over to Mixer, uh, a streaming uh, a competitor to Twitch, and I think I think and Microsoft it, might have been involved. Was it also in that, Rumble? Uh, is Rumble? I know no, people Rumble are doing like a YouTube for more YouTube, but do yeah. they do live stream as well though? They do. They do. Yeah. So okay. There's I a think, few players though. I think the interest in this, and then you bring up a good point about the ecosystem. So Twitch is the leader in this space. It ha- does have a huge network effect. And I think similar to kind of stuff that Jack had mentioned about uh, uh, Twitter, how everything's kind of interconnected. You know, you have profiles on Twitch, a lot of commenting's going on. You can flip between different users. There's, it, it, it's held on to, yeah, yeah, it's held on to um, a lot of the IP, personal IP and video gaming IP. But what, I, I'll throw this out to Jack. These type of moves feel very similar to what Spotify did to compete against Apple and podcasts, right? They threw massive bags to people to bring over uh, super talented uh, people with audiences. But I think the Ninja example uh, didn't work out because Mixer shut down. Not enough of Ninja's audience came over to Mixer. So I don't know how deep you are in the in the live streaming, uh, video game live streaming space, Jack, but I mean, what are your general thoughts? Yeah. Knowing that- Not very, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, the Mixer thing is like, I think I remember that was a few years ago, right? No? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that guy was the top streamer at the time, which I think yep. people, the Spotify analogy is a good one, I guess, because, but I guess that's a little different because you're, the network effect that exists on a video platform like that is, maybe stronger than um an audio product like the yeah i don't have enough of a read on it but it makes sense that they're throwing insane capital at it maybe this is like a weird analogy but it's like sports leagues the stuff like the messy thing is a interesting analogy there it's like if you're a talent of some description and you're joining some franchise or network 
the one that ha- the one that needs you in order to grow the network yeah. is obviously going to throw ridiculous money at you versus the entrenched and Twitch. I have no idea on the difference in scale, but it feels like they've been at it for a good amount of time. But there's been some like just fumbles on their creator relations in recent months is what i've read right like they're the way they're compensating people or the way they're taking yeah, streams they down split. that was That's a big what, one. that was the controversy the big controversy i thought yeah it was uh well two i think jack brought up the second one so the, the the taking streams down because of controversial content that is obviously one that's always existed moderation the other one was they recently switched from a 70 30 split so the streamer got 70 percent of ad revenue to 50 50 and that that is but that 50 50 is YouTube, right? So I think the lesson from that is like kind of a business one-on-one lesson. Never give something that you will then take away, right? If right. you just started at 50-50, no one's saying shit. And uh, it's like it's like one-on-one. Uh although they may not have known this years ago. Um, I think Twitch is a money losing uh uh uh, uh operation. It's owned by Amazon, so they've allowed it. Uh and it's probably not that big of a deal for this acquisition. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go with, uh, to ask Zaid uh, specifically, I think the network effect will win out. I do think, however, if you're speaking on network effect, I think Twitter, another chance for Twitter, they had Periscope, they had live stream, they have the built-in network. Like, Hick is probably going to go the same way as Mixer. Mixer was owned by Microsoft, right? And they still shut it down. Uh, and, and Microsoft has their own like ups and downs with gaming. But if Microsoft didn't want to stomach the cost for it, I find it difficult to believe that Kick will be able to. I, this is a, this is going back to the Twitter comment too. Is like the embedded context in Twitter as a platform feels like gives you the opportunity to launch all of these different types of media experiments. Like Spaces having the ability to pin a tweet, for example, is like the ability to build a network and a reputation on a platform like Twitter to me feels like a more there's a more comprehensive set of tools to do that versus just the live stream. Yeah. Um, and I don't use any of the live stream platforms, so I don't know how they compare, but it does feel like... And also, I have no idea on the user data of like young people on Twitter. It's pretty low, right? Like most... Kids are going it's straight to out. the yeah, TikToks of the out. world. Yeah. But I think so your knows? comparison, Jack, was actually really um was it was a great comparison of live sports because that's it's really about why is live important. And I think that's why the question Spotify asked was why is long form podcasting important? And that was their big bet. And again, it comes down to for them the depth and the influence of like a Rogan or a caller daddy within her community or whatever. And that was their big bet because they know, one, there's radio long-form audio dollars to be made there. But on live, like you said, regardless of it not being live sports, it's live content. So the engagement you get from someone watching a live sports game is similar to list. Well, it's probably not exactly the same as a live streamer because live streamer is probably a little bit more background and you can listen all day. But those people who can command that much that much attention you know, like Speed has got 17 million subscribers, I believe. And like a lot of these big guys, you know, they're beyond just gaming now, right? Like some of those guys started with gaming, like Ninja and stuff. But so many of them are like way beyond that by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of like people in hip hop, like uh, DJ Academics. If you've ever seen his stuff, he's like one of the main kind of like 
I don't know what you want to call him. He was like a blogger and then he became a streamer as well now. But you, I don't follow anyone on live stream, but I see all their clips on Instagram by the time. I'm like the laggard in that situation. But that's that's what happens. Like they have little pockets of subcultures the way Twitter does that is disproportionate, has disproportionate amount of impact and eyeballs on it that then gets out to all these meme pages and meme accounts and stuff like that. So that that's why I think it's been a valuable thing for them to go after. Uh, but yeah, to, I, I don't know the answer to his actual question about how does it play out because uh, I don't know enough about the controversy, but I agree. Like if they've got a head start, it's very difficult to mess that up. At the same time, as we talked about last week, Trung, with Reddit, like these are community-based platforms or creator-based platforms. So if you if you piss them off, like they will go elsewhere if they're going to get paid more. So it I, can I unwind, think right? Like it could unwind very quickly. Goes both ways. Exactly. So I think that's a, a great way to, to end that one. All right, people. All right. Something hit the wire. Just one talking last about timeliness. Thing. One, one more thing. Just imagine I'm just imagine I'm Tim Cook on stage right now. Oh, by the way, one more thing. Let's go back to our roots, boys. NIA. So Jack's got a nice tweet up on here. Jack, can you read this tweet from Crypto Lynn? What does it say? He says BlackRock tells the SEC to fud crypto. Crypto dips. BlackRock buys Bitcoin. BlackRock launches ETF. SEC magically eases off. Pension funds allocate to BlackRock. BTC halving. BTC pumps into quantitative easing and rate cut. June to November 2025. Bitcoin all-time high. Rolex and Lambos on the timeline. Dump into Olivia. Yeah, not investment advice. Okay. Well, let me, let me frame that amazing. So Jack sent that tweet yesterday. And I actually looked up my crypto holdings for the first time in 18 months. I'm like, oh, let me see what I'm sitting on right now. When that pump happens, not investment advice, not investment advice. However, a couple of things did happen. Jack, let me say the main point. Traditional finance, TradFi has come for crypto people. They've been circling. The SEC has been fudding along, throwing out lawsuits against Coinbase, lawsuits against Binance. Granted, Granted, not saying these lawsuits were unfounded, but in the case of Coinbase, they let Coinbase go public, and then two years later, they're like, oh, by the way, the stuff we were cool with two years ago, we're not cool with now. So I thought that was a little bit shady. However, this morning, and I guess this morning will now be tomorrow, EDX Crypto Exchange goes live offering Bitcoin and Ether trading. This people is backed by Charles Schwab, one of the biggest brokers in America. I think it's a $40 billion company. Fidelity, one of the largest asset managers in the world. And a little somebody called Citadel Securities, who you may remember from the GameStop saga. So there you go, people. So they are, okay, this is the key. It's non-custodial. So they're not going to have the FTX situation where when you send FTX a dollar, it's going straight into SPF's pocket and then to a bunch of media publications that need to start up funding. That's not what's happening here. This is a non-custodial exchange. They will allow other networks to trade within their platform. I mean, listen, the first tweet that Jack said, nailed it. I don't know if that's the exact playbook, but that's kind of what it's looking like right now. And a BlackRock <laughs> ETF is coming. Do you know how many times BlackRock has been told for an ETF, said told no for an ETF filing? One time. I think they're, what are they, Jack, 556? 575 to one, something like that, yeah. Wait, what was the one time? Was it crypto-related? I have no idea. Okay. Probably. So, Jack, 
This is your you're you're the most crypto person right now. What is your thoughts on everything that just happened? It's hard to imagine that these guys don't have the inside track on the regulatory outcome of this uh, situation we're experiencing right now. Is that fair to say? I hold Coinbase and I'm choked, so the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, feels like buying pressure to me, not investment advice. <laughs> this is, yeah, we're going to reiterate the hey, name actually, of the podcast let, here. Let's get, hey, but let, by let's the way, by the way, I should say this. I should say this. I read a great tweet earlier. I don't know who wrote it. It was like, these guys looking for yield somewhere, treasuries. People like completely changed their allocation to assets over the last couple of years. What is the most, you know, if I think if you're talking about like assets that have capital inflowing in the next number of generations, feels like to not have a part of the upside of crypto for these large-scale asset managers when, what is it, 30% of Americans hold crypto. And I think the younger you go on a survey, kids value or like think about crypto as an asset that they would allocate some of their capital towards. So just like, even as a marketing exercise, this thing is like, if it exists and you're an asset manager, you have to have exposure to it, right? If there are countries that are beginning to like write legislation to... um the UK, we should have done a whole part on this, Bilal. You were just there. Sunak's play for the, you know, the the crypto-friendly legislation mm. to get to kickstart the technology boom yeah. of the 2020s in the UK. But anyway, the the digression feels like they have to have exposure to this. Like it's it's past the point of like this is a this is a, a an ignorable thing for institutions of that size. Even like, ironically, I think the SEC's acknowledgement of it and the amount of resources that have been allocated to going after it in a strange way uh, validates its size, right? Validates its uh, existence. So yeah, not surprising. And not investment advice. Very, yeah, but it's, and it also seems weird that or not weird, it would be strange to me for these announcements to be made in unison without a understanding of the likelihood of the outcome. Yeah. But again, there's been like, there's been crazy news like this before. There was a Fidelity story a couple of years ago where they like offered crypto as a like institutional product. I don't know how much friction actually exists. Like, how much capital is held back by the non-existence of a BlackRock ETF? Like, is it is there a meaningful amount of capital that they already manage that they would allocate to that? Who I don't know. Because uh, you can get exposure to Bitcoin today, not in as an individual, pretty easily, right? It's just a case of institutional allocation. I'm assuming. Um, and what grayscale? That's what is that? Trying it's like a trust or something. GBTC or something. God, it's yeah. the worst. You just well, uh, let me let me say let, let's end it with this. Grayscale. Arthur Hayes has called it. I'm a fee donkey. I'm just yeah. kicking out to grayscale. <laughs> two and a half percent. And that's just is it two and a half percent? 
I think their management fees are obscene. Oh obscene, man, I did not dude. know that. And they're trading under uh, net asset value instead like of just buying, discount. Instead of just yeah, buying I'm Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. micro strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have just bought micro strategy. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah uh, Trung, anything else on that before we wrap that, mate? No, I think that's good, man. First, worth us bringing that in. Uh, all right, let we'll. Just for people listening, we got a second episode for you coming next week to answer the rest of the AMA questions we got this week. So uh, thanks again for being here and we'll see you next week. Cheers.